You're listening to the Girls on the Grid podcast with Tanea and Priya. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of Girls on the Grid. I'm Priya, and I'm here with Tanea. In person. Literally in person. She I'm, just touched me. I'm actually touching her right now. She's just... That? <laughs> That's me slapping her. Oh, that... <laughs> That was Tanea slapping me. All right. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. Let's, let's wind this weird train this, back a bit. We're not even 30 seconds in and we're doing some weird things. It's been a long day at the racetrack. Okay. Yeah, it has been a long day at the racetrack. We're in Bathurst. We are in Bathurst. Priya has finished her work for the weekend. And you know what? Mine's really just starting because mm-hmm. it is Saturday night. At of it's Saturday night of the Bathurst twelve hour weekend, and I'm here filming for GTs. Priya's here for eighty sixes, and eighty sixes had all their races, and they're done. We did. We had two days of work, which was actually quite handy. Um, I ended up getting pulled aside to do some other things, um, like Porsche things. But other than that, it was uh, fairly consistent, and my work's basically done. So I'm having a chill night. Uh, just had some pizza and garlic bread and, and then I ate the leftovers. Today I came over and ate it all, the mole. Um, <laughs> Not even going to lie, all I've eaten today is packets of chips and Mars bars. Yeah, I feel like that's me every day at the racetrack at mm, the moment. I, so bad. I feel like I need to get a list going of like racetrack. Is, is it cuisine? Is that the word? Cuisine. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> Did you say cousin? I'm not saying anymore. She's talking about racetrack cuisine. That's what I just said. You did not say that word. I said cuisine. I thought it was going to be like not even anywhere near that word. Cuisine is the word. I thought it was going to be like couscous. Sorry, I can't stop moving around. I don't know why. I'm so erratic. I'm just... We need to apologise to the people laughing to put themselves through listening this. But we do promise that there's a guest at the end of whatever this is. We'll get there eventually. I don't know. I've had, I always get like this after a race weekend. I'm like a really. After a race weekend? It's Saturday. It's either I'm absolutely crashed out or I'm on a high. Well, at, at least you don't have to film a 12 hour race tomorrow that involves getting to the track at 4 a.m. That sounds fun. And then I'm driving to Sydney tomorrow night. So Sunday okay. night. So 4 a.m. And then Look, I'll get to Sydney at like 11. So if you see me at all past midday tomorrow, I apologize. That's all I've got to say. The Look, the Bathurst 12 hour, it's. A huge event. I I got here on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. I did the Bathurst 12 hour with my family in 2018. I wasn't really 2017 and 2018, but I wasn't full working like I am now, but I was doing videos all day. It's big. For dad. That when I got back to the house, I was hallucinating. <laughs> I saw the race car in the lounge room. I kid you not. Oh, it that's was... going to be me tomorrow. And then you have to drive home. I'm driving over okay. the mountains tomorrow night. Yeah, that's why we need to get this done. Yeah, that's why tonight okay. needs to go to bed. So I'm come on, Priya. Get right. to the gist of this pod. All right, let's get to it. So today we have a really cool guest. Um, if you're a regular at the racetrack, no doubt you would have definitely have seen her running around. Um, she is awesome. She does some really cool stuff. Sharice Bristow is the team coordinator at Triple Eight Race Engineering. And... and- so I've got I've got a butt in. No one wears a beanie better than Sharice. Oh my does. god, how good does she look in a how beanie? Good, like, I love it. It's it is her. it's rude. Like it's I look signature. and I'm like, oh, I can totally pull off a beanie. I put it on, I'm like, this is I just feel doing that completely. Com- like today, no. 
Mm-hmm. Take the beanie off, you look like a doofus. No, we love the beanie, and that's probably how you'll spot her at a racetrack because running around with she a beanie. just rocks a beanie. Um, but yeah, she's recently taken on the role of category manager for the Radical Cup Australia series. Spoiler alert: I didn't join Priya for this pod because trying to get oh, our schedules. We didn't even mention that. Yeah, <laughs> trying to get our schedules to line up is like trying to do something really difficult. And I was going to try and come up with like a really, you know smart analogy of the difficulty of lining up our schedules i think yeah that we may have pods every now and then that is just one of us but 100%. we try our hardest but it I mean, and flows. the fact that we are 15 weeks in and we've done it every week yeah. i think that is so, definitely that is very solid i think we've had a couple episodes come out late just like a day late because we had to push yeah. but stuff stuff just pops up and yeah. you just don't expect it but we've got like super loyal listeners and mm-hmm. we're just grateful for that mm-hmm. so yeah today's Thanks for putting up with us especially right now because we do seem to be raving on a bit they just they're just here for Sharice well I let's give the people let's them. give them what they let's want give them what they want all right this is Sharice Bristow on Girls on the Grid Therese, welcome to Girls on the Grid. We're really excited to have you on. This is actually a first for me doing this on my own. So I know it's usually a bit different with Tanae here, but thank you for joining me. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I'm absolutely um, humbled to uh, be asked to come on and have a chat about um, my life. Who would have thought um, that you guys would be interested in anything that I have to say? But absolutely, thank you for having me. And um, so cool to follow, I guess, a, a lot of legendary ladies that we have here in the industry. Recently, we've come back from Perth, where the Radical Cup was run, as well as Supercars. And I did see you doing a fair bit of running around. Did you, so were you managing both Triple Eight and the Radicals that same weekend? I was actually um, cheating on Triple Eight that weekend um, and lucky enough uh, that my wonderful team at Triple Eight support me to do a side hustle as well. So I actually organised everything for the round, got the team there um, and sorted everything for them and then I scooted over and just um, did Radical for the weekend. So wasn't juggling too many balls, which is probably a good thing because you just never know what happens uh, on a race weekend and how much time it's going to take to get through things um, when you're running a category. I was going to say that would have been quite stressful having the two, but being involved with the Radicals, what does category manager look like? Category management is basically everything but making cars go fast. Um, So I have, um, we have quite a small team at Radical um, this year. It's basically me and then we have um, a couple of shareholders that are sort of made up of um, the guys at Radical Australia East and the guys at Radical Australia West um, and we sort of put it all together. So essentially my my role is everything from, um, you know, organising the calendar, uh, organising all that with promoters to get on certain rounds, etc., um, all the way through to helping with marketing, um, sorting out everybody's entries, uh, making sure we have, you know, tyres and fuel and schedules and working just, yeah, basically working alongside the promoters um, to make sure that our schedule suits us. Um, yeah, basically everything that you can possibly think of to get people on the racetrack. So I myself, I don't know a whole lot about this category. Is it is it relatively new? 
Radical has been around, God, you've got put me on the spot. Radical has been around for a long time in Australia. I think um, there's over now a hundred radicals that have been sold into Australia. Um, and so wow. it's, yeah, yeah, it's essentially like a, a, an open top sports car, if you like. It's got two seats. Um, it's, it's quite often used um, for driver training purposes, obviously the benefit of the two seats, but it's just a really cool, um, super fast car um, that sort of, I guess, the, the, the vibe of our category is it's an AM category. Uh, we have a lot of gentleman drivers. So it's kind of a cost-effective car to sort of get in and go fast. Um, I don't know if you saw at Perth over the weekend, they were doing very similar lap times to the supercars. So they are like a super fast piece of equipment. Um, and yeah, just a, a fun little car to, to get around in. So would you say that this is a category that's starting to get bigger in Australia? I would say that that's what we're aiming to do. Um, at the moment, we sort of pull grids around, I guess, between 16 and 21, 22. Um, as I just said, there's a, there's a lot of um, radicals sitting in sheds and, and getting around on track days and things like that that we would like to encourage into the national series. Um, and I think also with uh, the guys from Radical Australia East and West taking over um, the category from this year, the, the aim is to bring it in line with Radical racing all over the world, which the same championship is run in many, many countries. Um, and we are now in line with that. Um, and as you will see, we use all the same branding as they do worldwide. And we are supported by the factory. And we have the two distributors from Australia that are involved in the category. And so that's our aim is to, to um, yeah, to make it bigger and, and grow it. Yeah, they're really cool looking cars. And I think even... Um for them racing alongside the supercars on the weekend was really good to kind of just bring that attention to it as well. 100%. We were we were lucky, um, always appreciative to jump on a supercars round um, and have, you know, the best of broadcast and TV. And um, we had a really good schedule, so um, it allowed us to get quite a good bit of exposure um, and thanks to supercars obviously for supporting us in that 45 minute races are sometimes shunned on the uh, TV broadcast. So um, we're grateful to supercars obviously for letting us um, have the exposure for our category. And um, I did get a lot of like really nice messages from people that were watching it over the weekend on Fox and on KO and, and um, you know, said that it looked really good and the racing was exciting. And, you know, it's just something a bit different to have on those weekends where you get to do a bit of a driver change and a bit of an endurance sort of style racing. So as well as managing an entire category, you're also team coordinator at Triple Eight. What does this involve? Also a lot of things that don't involve making cars go fast. Um, <laughs> so I um, I sort of do everything um, we, across, obviously Triple Eight is, is quite a large race team and we run multiple categories across, not just supercars, we run supercars, we run Super 2, we run GT, we're moving back into GT Asia. Um, we're also doing Gen 3 um, and a whole bunch of things that require people to move around the country and the world. <laughs> And, um, and I basically do all of that. So everything from, um, you know, working with the team managers to work on logistics of who's going where and when, um, putting people in hotels, um, helping with, I guess, stuff at the racetrack, like helping the commercial guys with driver signings and taking the driver's places to, you know, making sandwiches. I, I do a bit of, I do a bit of everything. Um, I've, I've done a little bit of um, design work um, for the start of the year stuff. So when we're, you know, designing all of our, our truck and our garage walls and our driver suits and all of our signage and things like that. Um, I did a, had a bit of a tipple of that this, this year at the start of the year. So yeah, it's quite, it's quite varied. Um, 
quite busy now, especially now that motorsport is well and truly back and um, Triple Eight seem to be doing everything. So I'm um, juggling a lot of balls at the moment. Yeah, it's a very, um, very versatile role. Is there any part of it that you probably enjoy the most? Um, for me, I love being at the track. So um, obviously a lot a lot of what I do um, is pre-event. Um, so I sit in front of the computer a lot and I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff um, in front of a screen. Um, but I, yeah, I love getting to the track. I just love the vibe at the track. I love being around the team. I love, I love traveling with the team. I love seeing all my motorsport friends and just being involved um, I'm really lucky to be in a team like Triple Eight who does, um, you know, have a lot of success and it's just, it's really quite cool and humbling to be a part of a team and, and see the environment and, and yeah, just play, I guess, an integral part, not necessarily in the making the cars go faster, but, you know, getting everybody there and, and sorting everyone's lives out. I guess I'm like a bit of like the team mum. <laughs> and are both these roles full-time, the Radicals and Triple Eight? Triple uh, A is my full-time role. I like to call Radical Cup my side hustle. Um, I literally do that after after work days at Triple A and on the weekends um, when I can fit it in. Um, we run five rounds a year, so it's um it's not full-time work, but it's probably you know the four to six weeks leading up to a round is where I'm quite busy, um, and that that seems to be at the moment when Triple A is quite busy as well. So it's um quite a big juggling act at the moment. And obviously you've had a lot of experience in this type of role because you were previously category manager for the Australian Prototype Series. I was, yeah, I did that for, well, I, I like to say I've got a lot of experience, but we did two rounds in two years when I was category manager for the APS. Oh, um, yeah. So I didn't I didn't get to have quite a lot of experience doing it, but yeah, as I said, we did a couple of rounds, so it gave, I guess I dipped my toe in the water, but um, I've been doing motorsport operations for a long time. I started in motorsport in like 2011, I'm going to say, uh, when I was 21. Um, so yeah, like 12 years of, of motorsport ops experience. So that sort of helped. <laughs> so what is your story? Was motorsport something that you grew up being exposed to or how did you come into it? Um, I would say like a very small exposure. I didn't, I definitely didn't come from like a race family or anything like that, but my dad is a, a race fan. Um, and I sort of grew up watching Bathurst with him and his mates, um, you know, outside while they were drinking beers, I was, I was running around with them. Um, and I, yeah, I just say that, that exposure came from my dad and, and, you know, I, I always tell the story of when I was like 10 years old, all I wanted was the Marks gave Jason Bright HRT remote controlled car which I got for Christmas and I, and I still have. Um, I think I was just, I think I was just like a little bit of a tomboy growing up. Well, I definitely was. I grew up in the country and you just, it was just one of those things that I just, I enjoyed. Um, and yeah, I didn't ever think that I would end up working in it. That's for sure. I, um, I did a sports management degree at uni and when I finished, um, I needed to get a job. And I wanted to get a job in sport, obviously, that's what I studied. And at the time, CAMS, which is now Motorsport Australia, were hiring in Adelaide, which is where I'm from. Um, and I just went for the job because I was like, I like motorsport. Motorsport's cool. I don't need any motorsport knowledge for this role and I'll, I'll give it a give it a shot. And I ended up getting that role. And I was at CAMS for six years um, and did like a whole lot of different stuff while I was there. I did. I did club and sport development. I was lucky enough to work on the Grand Prix for four years as officials manager. Um, I did international training team. I ran my own events. Um, yeah, I just had like quite a varied amount of experience, which was really cool. 
Um, and then from there, I moved to the Bend Motorsport Park, which actually is in my hometown. I'm from Taylor Bend and I grew up there and my parents still live there. And it was kind of like they've built this ridiculous thing in my um, in my backyard and I've been doing this this motorsport role. And how could I not go and work at the Bend? Um, so, yeah, moved moved there and was the operations manager for events there for the four years that I was there. Um, and yeah, like that experience, obviously we can talk more about it, but, um, yeah, it was obviously crazy building a, um, the first motorsport park in 20 years in Australia. Um, so yeah, from there I moved to triple eight and, um, yeah, dipping my toe in the category management side as well. And so when you worked at the bend, because obviously this is, it's a very new track. It's, it's only been around for a few years. Were you quite heavily involved in the, I guess, the construction of it in in all aspects, I guess? I would say um, more on the, I guess, the side of setting up all of the motorsport activity. Um, when I was there, when I started there, I think they were about eight months from opening. Um, and so I was the third person as a full-time employee at the Bend. The guys that were there before me were sort of doing all the strategic stuff. They were working on the track design. They were working on obviously getting the place built and all of that sort of thing. And I got, I guess I sort of came in as a subject matter expert, if you like, on um, on the event side and um, the regulatory side and the insurance side, obviously coming from CAMS, I had quite a quite a bit of knowledge about how that all worked. So um, yeah, I basically came in an op on an operations level and, um, and yeah, helped set up everything from scratch, track days, events, all that sort of thing, all of our, all the, all the paperwork and things that you need to run motorsport events, just yeah, everything on that side. Um, I had yeah quite a big hand in. And you did mention before that you did some study to get into your initial role in sport. Um, what did that kind of consist of and for how long? Uh, so I did a three year bachelor of sport and recreation management and I sort of went down the sport pathway rather than the recreation pathway. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of like a management degree. I had a lot of business subjects um, and things and things like that, but then it also had sport electives. Um, as well, none of which I chose to do motorsport, may I add. Um, I actually worked in footy clubs and things like that. Um, and yeah, so it was kind of like, it, set, it was kind of a, a very broad degree, but it was basic, it was like a business um, degree, but, but centered around sport. Um, so yeah, like a lot of the stuff that I, I learned there, and I've said this before in, um, you know, in chats with, with girls wanting to get into the industry or, or whatever that, you know, I don't necessarily think that I, if I was, if I knew I was doing motorsport, I don't think I necessarily would have needed a degree to do it because a lot of the stuff that I have learned has a hundred percent been learnt on the ground and as and as you're going and from you know mentors and and people that you're around. Um, but I certainly think that it was looked favourably upon uh, when I was going for roles. Um, you know, it it may be changing a little bit now, but certainly when I was looking for my first job, you know, it was a tick in the box that I had a had a sports degree. And do you think, um, I know, like you mentioned, you've obviously, you've had a, a love for the, for the sport, I guess, but do you think having a background in motorsport initially going into that kind of role, do you think that helps? I think it's, I think it's definitely a kickstart for sure. And I think as you would probably know, you know, in this industry, it's not necessarily what you know, it's who you know. Um, and it, it's so true because it seems like a big industry, but it's really a small industry and everyone knows everybody and it's like a little family. Um, and so, yeah, I think 
I think, yeah, it, it is. It's not what you know, it's who you know. So I think getting getting yourself out there and, 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 and being exposed and being around and, and, and getting known by people in the industry is, is so beneficial. And being involved for so long and being on the sidelines, have you ever had any desire to race yourself? Um, I wouldn't say, I, I don't think like racing is really up my alley. I like being just in the background doing all, all the stuff to make it happen and I would be too scared that I would go out there and crash into a wall or into somebody else. Um, but I have I have been lucky enough over the years to, um, you know, do a few track days and, and drive some cool stuff, especially, you know, at the bend, there was always a lot of cool cars out there and, and people that were very generous in letting you go for a few laps or, or do a session in a track day or, and, and I've got a lot of good friends that, that do things like that, run track days and, and things where I've been lucky enough to jump in a car and, and do that. And I enjoy that. It's really fun. And I, I find myself getting quite competitive even on a track day about, you know, beating my best time and all of that sort of thing. So I definitely enjoy it from that perspective. But I think um, racing might be one step too far for me. <laughs> I know we're definitely the smart ones, aren't we, by choosing to make money in the industry rather than forking it out to go drive a race car. My bank balance wouldn't like me going racing either. Yeah, yeah. No, me neither. But with these two fairly busy roles, I'm sure every day is very different. But what does an average day look like for you? Yeah, um, so I guess I might talk about today because at the moment, Triple Eight, um, the next two weeks is quite busy. Obviously, we're... Um, We've got uh, the Bathurst 12 hour coming up, um, which we're running two cars where before that we're sending Brock on his rookie test down at Winton. Um, straight after the 12 hour, we're sending a team of 10 or 12 guys and gals off to Sepang for GT Asia. Um, and then we've also got Winton supercars the same weekend as that. So at the moment I am just run off my feet um, with organizing all of that. So I guess for me, I get into the office and I've got a million things on a list, I guess, that I have to get through. So I'm doing things today like finalizing everybody's flights and accommodation. Um, I am talking to the team managers about our team schedule, um, which I put together for every event that we travel to. Um, and that's literally like a minute by minute for everybody. Um, it's got everybody's detail, everybody's travel and accommodation and transit details. It's got all of our on track details from, you know, what time you arrive at the track to where we're having dinner to what time the session is to when the drivers are going somewhere. Um, so I do all of that for every single round. Um, so yeah, working with the team managers um, on that back and forth into into the workshop and, and things like that to, to find driver kit and work out where everyone's stuff is and, um, you know, talk to the guys down there about things. Um, I do a lot of, I have to do a lot of stuff on the accounting side as well, because I do obviously a lot of transactions in the business. So I have to do the paperwork as well, which is always not the funnest part, but you know, it's all part of the job. Um, and yeah, just ev basically everything around the team movements is, is what I'll tackle in a day um, general, generally. Isn't it crazy to think about how much goes into literally just getting this big machine out on a racetrack and making it go really fast. It's quite unbelievable. And like what I do is a drop in the ocean, you know, on the other side of the office. For me, we've got yeah. the engineers downstairs, we've got the mechanics and they're all hustling hard as well. Um, and obviously, you know, then you've got your comms team that are that are working on on that side of things to keep money coming in and things like that. And yeah, it's, it's, it's quite incredible. And it's really cool to be a part of a, I guess, a well-oiled machine, if you like. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah, you wouldn't believe it unless you get to see it for yourself. And I guess people probably don't think about what goes into to putting those two cars on the racetrack every weekend. Um, but yeah, it's 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 quite all consuming, to be honest. Yeah. And it's definitely a sport that you've got to love. And I guess if you don't really love it before you go into it, you're going to end up falling in love with it just because of the way it is and the community, I suppose. A hundred percent. And I, I quite often say, like, as I said, you know, I didn't come from, from a motorsport background necessarily. And I, I never thought that I would end up working in motorsport, but when I got into it, the, the best thing about it is the people, um, you know, the, the cars are awesome. And, and if you're a, a mad motorsport fan and, and I am, and I have become, I would ne- don't think I necessarily was one when I started, but definitely love it now. But a hundred percent, the people are the reason why you're in this industry. Um, you know, officials, teammates, drivers, whatever. Um, it's it's a really, really cool and, and fun place to be. Um, and yeah, I think if you've been in it for a long time and you sort of get to know everybody and it, you do, you walk around in the paddock and it's kind of just like, you just chit chat to everybody on your way past and it's just a friendly, nice atmosphere to be a part of. Yeah, and I think once you're in motorsport, it's obviously a job that it's, I guess it's hard to see yourself doing other things, but is there anything else that you'd like to do job-wise, maybe in the future or anything a bit different to motorsport? I quite often think about this and I actually honestly can't think of anything that I would probably enjoy as much. I think I, my personality, I love operations and I love all of that sort of stuff and I, I probably could do that anywhere. It doesn't necessarily have to be motorsport, but I just can't think of anywhere that would have the same vibe and I quite often you know have to pinch myself that I get to do this as a job and get paid for it like it's so it's so cool um and and you know it look I'm sure it looks really glamorous on the outside it is very difficult and very hard work and it can be exhausting um but I just love it um I think in answer to your question though like I I I wouldn't I wouldn't mind like I always think that I, I could um, dip my toe in the media side of things, but I'm definitely not that classy. Um, <laughs> but like, I think that would be a cool thing to, to have a crack at. Um, I I always loved that growing up, my mum and dad always thought I was going to be an actress or something because I was just like a little extrovert. Um, so yeah, I think that would be kind of cool. But yeah, look, no, no, I'm not really a planner either. So I'm like not sort of looking into the future or anything, but I, I do love the industry. So probably catch me staying around for a while. But have you ever had moments where, I mean, for me personally, I grew up seeing my family, they run, ran a race team. However, running a, a category is, is quite different. And you're also very involved, obviously with running triple eight, but have you ever had times where you've just gone, oh God, this is a lot. Like, I don't know if I can do this type thing. A hundred percent. I can think of, I can think of one, one time actually that really stands out in my mind and um, when I first took over as the officials manager for the Australian Grand Prix, um, I looked after a thousand marshals on my own. Um, and the first year I was, I was, I was actually sent in like two or three weeks prior to the event. Um, one of the girls was leaving and so they needed to throw somebody in. Um, and I just had no idea what I was about to get myself in for. And unfortunately, I was sort of told that it was going to be all good and everything was going to be organized. And when I got there, it was so totally the opposite of that. And I was so green at the time. I think it was my second year at Motorsport Australia. Um, I had no idea what to expect. And I went into that like 
it was going to be all good. And I was, I've never been more stressed in my life. I actually lost hair. I had a like small patch at the back of my head where I lost hair because I was just so stressed. I remember, I remember my dad calling me and he said something like, how you going darling? Or something like that. And I just lost it. I just bawled my eyes out. I was not okay. And I, um, <laughs> I'll never forget it. And that's probably the worst I've ever been. And I can't recall a time where I've ever been that bad ever again. And now a lot of people would say I hold my stress quite well. Um, but yeah, there's, it, it, it's a lot. And especially juggling, yeah, triple eight and radical at the moment that radical rounds at the moment have been round one, two, and three, uh, within like three or four weeks of each other. And triple eight's very busy at the moment. And so at the moment I'm like, I have zero, zero other life than motorsport. It's just, it's, it's all consuming at the moment. And so, yeah, sometimes you do have that, like, oh my God, I just really want to, you know, go to the gym or something. But, but yeah, again, wouldn't have it any other way. Um, really enjoy being busy and being challenged and, and all of, all of those things. So I, I wouldn't know what to do if I wasn't busy. I'm not a sort of person that likes to sit still and chill out and watch a movie. I'm just, I'm very on all the time. It's definitely one of those jobs so that it just never goes to plan. You can plan as much as possible as, as a foundation, I guess, but even as a, as a videographer, I've found absolutely nothing goes to plan. Oh, nothing ever goes to plan. I mean, even last week we had the guys in Sepang testing for GT Asia and I booked them new flights because our delay we had a delay in the test day so they all stayed an extra night and um, the guys were meant to be flying direct from there to Perth and read their flight schedule wrong and missed their international flight so it just it never goes to plan <laughs> it's, um, yeah so you know it, and you're constantly on like you know they you, you get phone calls at 10 p.m um, you get messages you, you just it never right. goes away you constantly you're constantly thinking about that what's happening next and what do I have to do tomorrow and oh yes I've got to do that and oh my god I haven't done that <laughs> yeah it just it's it's all consuming but you know it's it's a good place to be is there anyone you've met in your career or anyone who's inspired you within your role I would have to say, and I'm going to say like not on, not on, not on the, yeah, the girls front, but actually on a male front, I always used to say, and he'll, if he ever hears this podcast, he'll probably laugh. But, um, I, my, I had a few years working with David Mori in the, um, in the cams office back in the day. Now Dave is, works for Motorsport Australia now, does a lot of stuff up in race control, race director for Porsche, um, has done a lot of stuff now. He started off as a volunteer marshal, but I used to always say to Dave that I would listen to him talk on the phone and I was like, I just want to be able to talk about motorsport like you do one day. Like you are just, you just know everything and you just sound so knowledgeable and I just want to be able to talk about it like that and sound like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and um, he used to laugh at me when I would say that, but I would say that he was actually, you know, he's still to this day a mentor of mine and, and I definitely still go to him for help um, when I don't understand something or, or, or need to, to, you know, bounce something off somebody. So I would say, yeah, Dave is, um, is quite inspiring to me. Yeah, no, it's, it's always good to have that kind of mentorship. It was like, it was even with me, me and Tanea even, um, she was the first female videographer. So even now I think, and, and like you said, being able to now work in close proximity with someone can be really rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so cool. And I, I mean, he's like, I could probably rattle off 10 other people. I've been so lucky 
um, in my career. And especially because I started off sort of, I guess, at the grassroots level, um, very much so. I was the development officer for clubs in South Australia. So I had a lot of exposure to, to a lot of marshals and uh, people involved in clubs at, at a very grassroots level. And there's, there is just so many amazing, knowledgeable people in grassroots motorsport um, that, yeah, I could just go on. <laughs> And what would you say has been the highlight of your career so far? Oh, that's a big question. Um, I think I, I think I have a few, and I mean, I think being involved in the bend, um, building a racetrack from scratch, and you know, being an integral part of that whole thing, getting up and running, and you know, running some really bloody cool events and just the sort of sense of achievement that you get from you know having your name on that and it's something that's gone really well like one that comes to mind is having Asia Le Mans at the bend um, in 2020 which was just far and away one of my favorite events that I've ever had the pleasure of being involved in um, yeah I just I just think I've been yeah lucky to experience some really really cool things in my life another one that comes to mind is traveling to Korea for the Formula One um, I think that was in 2012 um, I got to go as part of the international training team with CAMS when we we would send a team over to train other countries to run Grand Prix um, and I went over um, with the team and I just remember actually another Dave Morris story funnily enough I remember standing on the top of the pit building with Dave on like the Thursday of GP or something it was a setup day and it was kind of like sunset and we were standing up there and we we're exhausted and we just sort of said to each other like how cool is this people would absolutely kill to be just doing what we're doing right now and I just it always sticks with me that conversation um, and just yeah how privileged and lucky we are to to I guess be involved every day in and get paid for what is essentially for a lot of people like a hobby you know I'm getting paid to do what people pay to do I guess like it's um yeah I, I've been very very lucky to have a lot of really cool experiences um yeah working on Grand Prix and things just stuff that you yeah are just privileged to do. I've had a few of those moments myself where I sit there and I think oh my god my 15-year-old self would just be pinching herself right now that I get to do this. It's um, it's one of those things you don't even, you just don't think about it when you're in the moment though, don't you? 100% take it for granted. And, and you know, I I think it's really nice as well, you know, for, for, for example, like my mum and dad who just have this like super sense of pride that, you know, their daughter's doing this like awesome cool stuff and that's that's a highlight for me as well you know like that you your folks can be so stoked for you and so proud and um you know everyone thinks it's 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 so cool and and they always want to talk to you and you know it's it's cool to be able to do that and and i think another part of that is being able to share really cool experiences with your friends and family you know there's been times where you know i've taken my dad to formula one or i've taken my friends down formula one pit lane or um you know just come to come to a supercars round and and come and walk around with me or like and have exposure to places that they would never have necessarily got to go so I think that's a really cool part of it as well is just being able to share it with with your friends and family and you've also had some involvement with the girls on track program which must be super rewarding to be able to help inspire the next generation of girls coming into the sport how has this experience been for you 
Um, I actually, I really enjoy doing um, the Girls on Track stuff and also um, Charlie's Careers with Gears uh, program that she's been running as well. Um, I just, I love the enthusiasm of these girls. It's honestly just so cool. And some of them are smarter than me. I, I was standing in pit tours and they'll ask questions that I have zero idea of where that came from. You know, these 12, 13, 14 year old girls, it's incredible. Um, so it's it's quite rewarding for me and, and particularly on the side of, I guess, um, the careers with gears thing as well, um, where it's probably sort of more touching into the side of the motor, of motorsport that I, I roll in, I guess. I, I'm not an engineer, I'm not a mechanic, um, but I, I do obviously do a lot of stuff in the, in the operations side and, and it's been really cool to be able to mentor some girls that want to do similar things to me. It's super rewarding to have them at the track with me um, and just like Get, get them, um, you know, known around around the track and, and show them what we do and, and you know, get them get them working a little bit and doing some stuff and being involved and just, it's it's really rewarding to, to see them, um, I guess, conclude that, you know, yes, I do actually want to do this, this is cool, this is what I want to do, this is this is um, exciting and it inspires them. So it's, yeah, it's, it's cool to share knowledge and experience and it's, I wish, that, you know, I would have had it when I started because I had absolutely zero idea what was going on. And would you say in the time that you've been in the sport, do you think that there are more opportunities for girls now? 100%. I mean, I, I, I don't I don't necessarily think there wasn't opportunities before, but you've obviously got to be confident to put yourself in those opportunities. Um, I, I think it's there's more exposure now for the girls that want to do it um, and, and more paths where, pathways sorry for getting for getting involved and, and and being able to see the pathway um i think in such a, a, do, a dominant industry of males obviously um sometimes you can't see the pathway because it looks like there isn't one um and so i think it's it's definitely a good thing these days and there's definitely more of yeah the i guess the exposure that you can get in the industry girls do work in these positions and they are working in these positions and you know you can do that as well so i think it's getting better with exposure, I think, is 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 the key. And obviously it is still a very male-dominant sport, but I think something that I found even growing up was that I just associated cars with men. It was a boy's thing. Do you think there is anything we need to be doing? I mean, obviously we've got programs like Careers with Gears or Girls on Track, but do you think that there's anything that we should be doing to make this sport seem more welcoming for girls? I, I, th I feel like I've never felt unwelcome, I guess, but I, I know where you're coming from when you say that. Um, and I guess sort of running back to what I said just before, I think it's an exposure thing. I think, and, and I, you see this, I guess, and um, when I have the girls come and, and shadow me at, at rounds, um, that you, you walk around the paddock and I say, this is such and such and introduce them to somebody and it's super welcoming. And I think just having that exposure to it and seeing that it's probably not as scary as, as what you may think, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a, wel a welcoming place. And I think, yeah, I just, I, I think exposure is, is the key. Exposure of the pathways, exposure of, I guess, the, the vibe. It, it's, um, it's not scary, it's, it's friendly and welcoming and warm. Um, and it's a great place to be. I think, yeah, just just exposure, I think is, is yeah. and I think we're heading that way 100%. And that's really good that you've had mostly, you know, positive encounters with everything coming into the sport, but would you say that you've ever experienced some sort of gender-based challenges? 
100%. 100%. I have been very lucky to have a lot of really great um, men as mentors and um, involved in my career and have helped me definitely get to where I am today. But 100%, I think the I get more sass from outside of the industry than in it, and I have done in the past. I think where I probably saw it the most um, was, you know, when I was at the bend and you would get just Joe Blow off the street that's come to a track day or or something like that and something's gone wrong or they want information and they want to speak to the manager and it's me. And I, I definitely felt multiple times um, I would walk out and they're like, oh, what are you going to do about it sort of thing. And um, I recall one time actually got one of the girls from the hotel, as you know, Ridge's hotel is on the, is at the bend. It's on, on pit lane. And there was a guy in the restaurant and he wanted to speak to somebody about track days. And so the girl from the restaurant came down to my office and she said, oh, there's a guy here and he wants to know about track days. And I was like, cool, well, I'll wander down, have a chat. Um, wandered down and he was, he just like looked at me with this look like, what are you going to tell me, love? Um, and he asked me a question and I just rattled off all the answers for him and his, just his face and his expression and his, just the way that he was approaching me just completely changed. And so I think, yeah, it's, there's definitely still somewhat of a gender, gender bias um, there. Um, but even, even that experience for him, I guess, hopefully taught him a lesson. You know, it's not, it's not always the guys that know everything. No, I agree. I think there still is gender bias, but I think overall it is getting a lot better. And like you said, even with that guy's experience, that's obviously changed his view. Yeah, hopefully. I think the best thing that you can but do I is to prove yourself. <laughs> exactly. That's it. But what advice do you have for women getting into the motorsport industry? Um, I think one of the things that I would have wished for myself is that I was confident enough to ask more questions, um, you know, to, to chase the dream a little bit more, to chase what I wanted and, and I guess, yeah, not be not be intimidated um, because I definitely was. I, I, I remember at Motorsport Australia, I was so nervous I didn't even want to answer the phone for my first six months there because I didn't know the answers. Um, and I think, yeah, you, you just got to be more open and confident to ask the questions and, and say when you don't know what the answer is and ask for help. Um, I think, yeah, as I said, chase the dream, chase what you want, get advice from people that are already working in the industry, um, volunteer. My God, there are so many just good people even down, like from grassroots motorsport with so much experience and so much more involvement than maybe what you think. They're not just necessarily doing club events. There's people at grassroots motorsport that do national events, that do supercars, that do stuff overseas. Like it's it's just full of good people um, and most of them are willing to help you. Um, as I said, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Get your name and face out there. That's worth its weight in gold. Um, yeah, just it, try and expose yourself, ask all the questions. Well, Sharice, thank you so much for joining me on the pod today. Um, it's so cool that you've taken on these two massive roles, which takes an insane amount of work, um, which is very inspiring. And I'm, I'm sure our listeners will agree. Uh, but it's been great to hear your story. And um, yeah, wishing you all the best with everything. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a genuine pleasure. Um, really appreciate you uh, getting me on and congratulations to you girls um, on the podcast as well. It's um, been awesome to listen to so far and um, a credit to you both and wish you guys all the success, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see you at a racetrack probably like next week. <laughs>
You know, it's actually impossible for me to not make that noise. I, I, I do always, it every time. I always do the transitions in my head. What an awesome chat. I'm actually gutted that I wasn't involved in that. But, you know, it is it is what it is, as they say in the classics. Priya, you did a ripper job. Sharice is a ripper chick. I uh, just awesome. wish I could rock a beanie as well as her. But that is a story for another day. No, Sharice is really cool. And she's got a really cool story. So it was good to actually sit down and talk to her. I've seen Sharice at the track so much, but I haven't properly had a conversation with her i actually said that at the start of the episode i was like i'm so sorry i see you around mm. all the time and i say hi but she's just I always on the go yeah she just doesn't stop yeah no she's, ping, she's like a ping ball machine ping, 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 she works ping. extremely hard but it was really great to chat to sharice guess we could either keep rambling or we could just end the pod here which i think we've done enough rambling Tanae and I think Tanae needs to go to bed. Tanae needs to go to bed. She has 12 hours of race cars to film tomorrow. 12? So. so I was at the six hour a couple of weeks ago and that seemed like a long race. And I said to someone the other day, I was like, we're just doubling the amount of race cars and the six hours a long race. Honestly, after doing the 12 hour, those couple of years, six hours feels like nothing. I haven't done the, haven't done the 12 but, hour since 2020. Yeah, wow. And I didn't even stay for the race. So mm. I, in 2020, I stayed till Sunday morning got up, watched the start of the race, jumped in my high car, drove back to Sydney, got in a plane, flew back to Melbourne, left, drove from the airport, which is about an hour, and then ended up in bed with still three and a half hours of the race to watch. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, was like, wow. wow, this is insane. It's and that whole time day. that I was doing those eight hours of traveling or whatever it is, mm-hmm. race cars are going around and I'm just like getting back and then I just watched the rest of it in bed. And it was mm-hmm. really the way I'd rather do it, but, you know. I can't believe they used to do... I can't believe they do 24-hour races. No, thank you. No. Thank no, God that goes 24 hours. Unless I can sleep. Like, anymore. the problem with me is I, I would just want to stay up and keep working. But our car's on track, so I should be going. Yeah. But, like, 24, That's it, 24 yeah. hours. No thanks. I know. No, it's a long time. But it is, what, 10 to 8 right now, I think. Tanea needs to well, go to so bed. It, Normally, that's where, like, our night just kicks off. That's where but, the, the party starts now. But when your alarm's set for 3... Yeah. Are you getting we, FOMO? Because I think some people are. All the Toyota people are going out tonight. Actually, you went out last night and I, I did. didn't go. So. Actually, I had a very interesting night last night, but Let's I think we can not talk about talk that. About that story. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was really fun though. Um, Actually, I do need to hear the story of the toy spiders. Oh, okay. So here's the thing. We're getting into another thing, right? Oh no. Here, no, no, no. Seriously. So yesterday was Friday the 13th, all day yesterday at Bathurst. Tanea, I don't know if you noticed this, but there were cobwebs flying everywhere. Mm, yeah, Did I you notice that. that? Yep, I walked through. But I was with... up on the top of the mountain and I just walked through them. Yeah. One had a big spider at land on my yeah. leg and I'm like, okay. So some of them had spiders in them, right? And it kept happening to me. I kept getting covered in cobwebs, spider webs. I could see spiders on race cars. Like <laughs> I'd be filming them and I'd be like, oh my God, there's a spider on the side of the car. Anyway, so last night, me and the girl I work with, Bailey, we went out uh, to oh, what's that place called Panda? I don't know. Uh, You're we, at the Ox for a we while. We went, yeah, we went to the Ox, and then we went to a club in Bathurst, and we were very responsible because we have to work. We were just going out and having a bit of a dance. We we're both in the mood to dance, so what do you do? You dance. You go and dance, and they had all these fake spiders everywhere in there, and I'm thinking, what? Okay, so naturally, I just start stealing them, <laughs> and I just kept stuffing them into my bag. And by the end of the night, I had 13 spiders, 13 spiders on Friday the 13th, right? So I'm like, okay, this is weird. And I've been seeing spiders everywhere. So today, 
when the cars were about to go out, Zach Bates' car had a spider on the side of it. He went out and won that race. And then I gave my brother a spider before his last race and he ended up doing really well. So I think the you're, spiders you're, are you're, good luck. She, so if anyone doesn't know, Priya is very superstitious yeah, and like right. loves coincidences and it's cool shit. all that stuff. I'm the complete opposite. She believes in ghosts. I do not. But you're, you're into your astrology as well. I, like yes, I am a sucker for astrology. Love I astrology. do like, oh, I'm so, like I'm, for anyone who knows, like you have three astrology signs and I'm not going to ramble too hard, but you just need to notice. You have three astrology signs. You're not just Leo or Capricorn or whatever, you're three. You have a rising, mm-hmm. uh, a moon and the other one. I'm double Leo. I'm like triple Aquarius. You are not. You're Virgo. Oh, wait, no, Virgo and then, like, all Aquarius. <laughs> but you're double Leo. I'm double Leo. Yeah. No, you are very much a Leo. I am You are so the definition Leo. of Leo. But, yeah, okay, on that astrology note, because I feel like we just lost half our listeners yeah. because... They're all like, all right, this is getting All right, weird, these guys. girls are psychos. They believe in astrology. But, uh, yeah, seriously, Leo as far as they go. My that rhymed. It is. Can I shave it? Sure. All right, we're going to go. <laughs> Shave Priya's neck. <laughs> I'm just no, kidding. stroking my neck. Kidding, kidding. I'm going to bed. Yeah, we're Night, going. guys. And you guys, guys. Be, you guys, you'll be listening to this on Monday. But, you know, by then you'll know if I'm dead or alive. Yeah. After 12 hours of Bathurst. So. Have fun tonight, y'all. Thanks, I'm gonna P-dog. S- I'm going to wake up at, at um 6 o'clock tomorrow. So really? Nice sleep. Right. Okay. All right. Good night, guys. Love you, guys. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Bye. You've just listened to another Network R production. Oh.